Hey, I'm Chris Martin, and you're listening to episode two of the Social Cues podcast. All right, welcome back to episode two of the Social Cues podcast. This week, we have uh, a new co-host with Jonathan Howe and I. Everybody, welcome Julie Masson. Julie, will you introduce yourself to everyone and kind of what you do and if I pronounced your last name correctly? You totally pronounced it right. So I am the marketing director for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm working from Kansas City, and I'm joining y'all from Kansas City. Awesome. Is there anything fun about yourself that you want to share? Oh, I don't know if there's anything fun about myself, but I'm really proud of our airport here in Kansas City, even though everyone else hates it. Worst airport in America. No, I'd have yes, to disagree. Yes, it is. It is. There's worse airports. Oh, my word. No. We're going to agree to disagree. All right. That, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. So, but um, Kansas City does have question. burnt ends, so that makes up for the airport. All right, I'll give you that. That's fair. Fair. All right. So, first, first question. We're gonna get right into it. The "What's on your mind?" question, opening question of the podcast. Every week, we want to ask a question that just uh, could generate some interesting discussion. So, last week, there was a hashtag on Twitter and some other social media platforms about boycotting Starbucks after some police officers were asked to leave a Starbucks in Tempe, Arizona. How, Jonathan, do you want to do you want to share kind of what the context was around this boycott? Yeah, there's not a lot of details about why and and what happened, but there's some details and some stats that may explain I guess the nervousness of other patrons in Starbucks in in Maricopa County there and where Tempe is. <clears throat> I just did some quick research. Maricopa County is basically the leading county, leading city, that's Phoenix and Tempe, that area, for police shootings. We're talking not even close to second place either. It's it's by far the highest police shooting county in America and something that happens almost on a weekly rate. Last year in 2018, there were 44 police shootings in in for the year, which is almost one a week. So it's it's kind of in the mentality, kind of in the, the conversation throughout the year. It's the and just to put that in context, they had as many police shootings in Maricopa County as New York and Chicago combined last year. New York and Chicago forty four combined. That is that is a an insane statistic. Yes. So I mean it it really is something that that is not normal. So I I'm not saying that they should have asked them to leave or anything like that, but you could see why maybe in that specific county in that specific area police and police shootings people may feel a little bit more uncomfortable than they would you know in Murfreesboro Brentwood or um, you know Kansas City something like that so it's a little bit different context yeah it does provide it does provide some again not that it necessarily you know whether you agree or disagree with patrons asking start uh, asking police to yeah. leave Starbucks you know there are plenty of very uh, loud opinions on both sides of that debate this past week on social media. It does provide some more context as to why some people may be uncomfortable, though. Like you said, if it's a top of mind thing that's being discussed on the local news or on social media in that in that area every almost every week of the year, uh, you can't blame it for blame people for maybe being a little bit more uncomfortable than another even even city like New York City or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Um, so that that is what precipitated the social media boycott of Starbucks, which was not the first or certainly the last social media boycott of Starbucks uh, in the last few years. So the question, what's on your mind? The question is this, how do we feel about social media boycotts in general? 
Do we think they're good? Do we think they're effective? Do we not? I'll pitch it to you guys first. What do you guys think about social media boycotts? Um, whether you have stats or you just have general opinions, what do you guys think? Well, okay. Let me give some background on what I think about boycotts in general. I think they are the adult, they can be the adult equivalent of pitching a fit. That's fair. So I think, I mean, I remember having grandparents and older relatives growing up who, this is not social media related, but kind of growing up, you know, if they found out a place was serving or a store was selling alcohol, they decided to boycott and not go to that store. And I thought, okay, well, I just always thought that was weird even as a kid. So I think when it comes to social media boycotts, I don't know. I just think that you can choose where you shop or where you frequent and you don't really have to make a big deal about it. It's okay for you to not agree with somebody like Starbucks doing what they did, but I don't need to know. I don't, I don't know that you need to make a big deal about it on social media. I think you just go shop somewhere else. Yeah. And there's an article I, I want to throw in the link into the show notes about boycotts in general. And there's a, there's an article in the New York times from 2017. Uh, it's a debate kind of column between Americus Reed and Judith Samuelson. And uh, Reed is a, a marketing professor at Penn and the Wharton School of Business. Uh, and he, he, he has a really good take on this, I, I thought. And, and I, I would agree with his take on, on this particular quote here. He says, if the, boycott, if the boycott reflects a movement rather than a moment, it can change the world around it. But unfortunately, I think with social media, a lot of times, and not every time, but a lot of times, boycotts reflect a moment. They're ineffective, and they just look foolish. Yeah. Uh, now, the ones that reflect a movement, those are a little different. Uh, I, I think the, the best example I can give of kind of a movement versus a moment, this Starbucks thing, that was a moment. And there's been a couple of these before. They, they had that with a Philly thing a, a couple of years ago where they, they kicked out a couple of uh, patrons because they were sitting waiting on a business meeting and they just felt uncomfortable. And that became a big problem. The manager was fired. Starbucks looked really bad. But people got over it and we moved on. However, the the target with the, the transgender bathroom issue, that was more reflective of a movement. And they lost a ton of sales. It really hurt them. I know people who still don't shop at Target um, because of that. And it's a big issue. And, and they really, really took a beating on that one. Uh, the boycott really isn't around much right now, but in the moment, and, and that movement really pushed back hard against them, and, and they they really took a beating. Starbucks, it was a blip on the radar. It'll move on. It won't be anything else. And then there's a, there's another one even still. like the, the night before we were recording this, I saw something online about Home Depot, and there's a liberal boycott of Home Depot because one of the guys wants to give money to President Trump's reelection campaign. And that that's not going to go very far. Um, that that's going to be a movement, a moment, and that's going to be twenty four hours, and we'll be forgetting about it. I don't see Home Depot really getting too worked up about that. And there's some real disconnects on that one too, because it's like this one guy's personal plans, and he just happens to be one of the co founders of Home Depot with Arthur Blank. So, I, social media boycotts largely ineffective unless, like I said here, they reflect the movement, not just a moment. I think social media boycotts are downright silly. Like I, I see a social media boycott and I immediately discredit whatever the movement is that it's supposed to be representing. And maybe my reaction is a little bit strong, but like the, I'm just so with, um, uh, amusing ourselves to death. Neil Postman on this sort of idea. Now, Neil Postman wrote Amusing Ourselves to Death, which is one of the most 
insightful books on social media culture, despite having been written in 1985, uh, amusing ourselves to death speaks to this issue without speaking to this issue. When it talks about how, how the medium of a message can destroy or really handicap a message. I think when a boycott originates on social media, it's, it's gimped from the get go. Like when a, when a, when a, when a boycott originates on a platform that's known for triviality and cat memes, nobody's going to take it overly seriously. Um, when, when, like, you know what I mean? Like when you have a social media boycott, the fact that it's a social media boycott, I mean, I think boycotts in general, just boycotts are kind of suspect, but social yeah. media boycotts, the attention span of people's outrage on social media is so limited that it just like it immediately makes it like super unimportant to me. And I think to broader culture in general, like, um, just how fast we move from one to the next, the, the more, what's funny is this, like the more social media boycotts there are, the less powerful they become because the more we realize their ineffectiveness. So yeah. I think, I, well, yeah, I think to that point, Chris, the ones that happened two, three years ago, they've been a lot more effective than ones now. Right. right. Because we, we've kind of grown immune to them. I mean, there was the big, I mean, we're recording this on cow day, cow appreciation day, whatever for Chick-fil-A. I mean, we're back 2000. I don't even know what year it was. 14, 15, uh, maybe even earlier than that. The, the big Chick-fil-A boycott that they were going to have the LGBT boycott of Chick-fil-A. It backfired on them big time because there was this huge counter protest to the protest that resulted in a huge win for Chick Fil A, and that place was slammed. Right, and, and it was it just doesn't work anymore. And I think people have seen that. And like you said, that the twenty four hour news cycle that is twenty, or, you know, that is social media, and sometimes it's a twenty four minute news cycle. Uh, it, it, these things don't work unless they are reflective of a really really large movement that has more than just social media behind it. Right. And and I think the um I think this should be contrasted a little bit with calling for change on social media because I've seen just even in the last like year in some sort of pop culture spaces fan bases calling for change uh for a particular piece of culture they like to consume. I think of like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Okay, so there's a movie coming out was supposed to be coming out this coming spring and i think they delayed it like a year uh a sonic the hedgehog movie based on the old like sega genesis game sonic the hedgehog and the sonic design that the animators came up with looks super creepy and just downright weird like it's it's really bad and fans just got super outraged about it and like this is not like in 2019 and the movie being released in 2020, you should be able to make Sonic the Hedgehog look way better than, and more true to what he looks like in the video games than this. Like he looked really bad and seriously downright creepy. He had like human teeth and stuff. It was just really weird. So anyway, there's a huge outcry against the, uh, the creators of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and they delayed the, like they said, okay, you're right. We need to go back to the literal drawing board and redo how we're going to create Sonic and how he looks. And they delayed the movie like six months or a year. So it, like, I think there is some merit to outrage calling for change on social media. Like, I think we've seen that and we've seen social media be used for massive world movements like the Arab Spring or like the, the, uh, protests in Ferguson, those sorts of things. Or the Me Too movement. Right. Exactly. We've seen social media be used in all kinds of transformative ways, uh, calling for change 
but not boycotts. Like none of those things were really boycotting something. They were just calling for action to be taken. And I think there is a, perhaps, perhaps the dichotomy is social media is better at calling for action to be taken than calling for action to not be taken, namely yeah. boycotts. Starting rather than stopping. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's I think that is an interesting kind of difference there, um, and something something worth talking about. And we could talk a lot more about it, but I think we should move on. I think we're really just well, gonna, uh, before before that. Hold on. Have what? you ever taken part of a social media boycott of something? I have not. No. I, have you? I, I'm trying to think if I have, and if I have, it's probably even way well, back in the I day. If I have, it's probably been more representative of something outside of social media than inside. You know, just from social media. So like the whole delete Facebook and all, you know, those kind of things that people have done and we've seen online and whatever, I, delete Uber. That was another one. Remember the Uber thing as people were trying to get people to delete Uber? So I actually did delete Uber, but only because I read articles about it, like about how they were mistreating people, not because of like a social media hashtag. Yeah. So it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like it may have been representative of something outside of social media right. rather than just the social media hashtag activism. Right. Exactly. So slacktivism. Right. 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 The other interesting thing I think about boycotts on social media, and I don't have the answer. I'm just wondering. I would love to have the statistics on the demographics of people who participate mm -hmm. in social media boycotts. Because I think about when I first got on social media, how well, okay, I wasn't as young as you probably were, Chris. But well, it didn't exist back you know, then. Either. Just. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I just think there's a lot of stuff that I believed when I was when I was younger and on social media that I might have thought, oh, okay, this is real. I should take action. Um, and so there's certain demographics out there that still believe a lot of things they see on social media and might be more prone to engaging in those. Right. Right. Would well, have any of data on that? Probably not. No, I, I, I think, think you're right. Though. I think that's valid. The the um, I think one of the most effective social media boycotts without not even from a sales perspective, but from a noise perspective, was when the Facebook hack Josh Feuerstein boycott Starbucks a few years ago because they went from having like Christmas imagery oh, the on Christmas their cups, cups to having oh, my word, yes. The, when they went from having right. Christmas cups to having red cups. <laughs> and Joshua Feuerstein, um, he never, never pay him any mind. But anyway, on the he, he has a Facebook page where he just, you know, he's one of those guys who just rants on Facebook about random Christian, but really more politically conservative things. And he created a couple of videos about how Starbucks was anti-Christian because he, uh, because they removed Christian imagery from their cups and they just had red cups. And I don't think it hurt Starbucks in any way. Like, I don't know that they like lost revenue or whatever, but there was more noise about that Starbucks boycott, both from the left and the right politically than, and from Christians and non-Christians than I've heard about just about anything. Like that one was really like kind of well-known across social media platforms, even though it started on Facebook. But I don't think so, it did anything. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, I, I think it generated right. a lot of noise, but I don't think Starbucks was really hurt by it. If anything, like people were galvanized with like, you know, in favor of Starbucks. I have one more question related to this, Kristen. We can move on. You run a account for a brand. And so do you, Julie. And, and I kind of do too. But what happens if you're the person behind the brand and your brand is put into spotlight on this? Right. Uh, Julie, do you want to answer first? Oh, you know, that's when I tap into my friend, Amy Whitfield and say, Amy Whitfield, help me handle this. PR <laughs> is this crisis. a real thing or not? 
And I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, like yeah. if, if you're the Starbucks people last week, they reacted really quickly because they saw this July 4th police Starbucks. I mean, that is like recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, you and don't they, want that. they acted quickly. They got it out in front of it. They tried to. They apologized. They're working with Tempe. They do a lot with the Tempe police force anyway. Uh, so, I mean, right. they, they were really trying to work on that anyway. But they did a good job, I think, getting in front of that. Target, on the other hand, I think the way they handled it back whenever that whole bathroom thing went on, it did not help things at all and it made things worse. And they saw a fallout from it. So I guess it's just really you got to kind of play it situationally on, on that. Yeah. And you got to be ready to go. I think you need to have like a backup plan and you need to have categories for is this a big deal or is this just people being people on social media? Right. Like the, I think there are definitely different categories. So if it was like, you know, I, cause I run the social media for Lifeway. So like if, if there was a, an actual, um, like a Starbucks situation where like we did something bad and we needed to, you know, we needed to, to make a statement or whatever. That's where I'm going to lean on Carol Pipes, who's yeah. our director of communications, and say, Carol, this is a this is a you thing. This is you know you lead our communication uh, externally for the organization. I'm going to follow your lead on this because that we have a serious, legitimate yeah. like PR well, crisis. We've had that happen from time to time. Of course, yeah, it happens. But then when if it's just a bunch of people getting mad at us for a very for various reasons and and threatening to boycott us or something, Julie like knows that more about that because of. <laughs> right. That's right. I do. Right. Uh, if you have if you have uh, that kind of a situation where you just have sort of outrage and not like not a situation where you're particularly in the wrong and you don't need to make a statement, then I think you just kind of let it go and wait for people to care about something else. I mean that that tends to be my posture. So good we had Julie on for this episode because you just described <laughs> her world. I think. <laughs> right. That's exactly. right. That's right. People are going to find reasons to be plenty mad about plenty of things, and sometimes you just have to let them be mad. Exactly. We deal with that, too, at LifeWay. Right. It's not just a an ERLC thing. Oh, no. For sure. For sure. All right. So topic number one. Topic number one, and I think, honestly, it's going to be the we – ha- we had plenty else planned, but I think we both we, – we all knew that we'd talk a lot about the boycott thing. And this topic number one, which Julie, being our guest host – and I think she'll be more than a guest host. I'm guessing she'll be a sor- sort of regular rotating host um, – She's bringing this topic, and I think it will generate a lot of discussion. So it probably be the only other thing we talk about this week. Julie, what do you have? All right, here's my question, and I realize it could be a little inflammatory depending on your opinion. But my question is: Should Christians become Instagram influencers? And I think that there's we need to differentiate first. Well, first we should explain what an Instagram influencer is. So an Instagram influencer is someone who literally gets paid money to push a product to their audience. And that can be, that can be an event, that can be a physical product, it could be a trip, um, it could be a brand. Um, but one thing that I think is really key here to differentiate between is that there's some people who grow a platform and they become influential and because they're influential, people ask them to promote stuff. That's different than someone who starts an account on Instagram and grows it for the sole purpose of pushing products to an audience. Would you guys agree? Jonathan disagrees. I, I can see it. Kinda, kinda. I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if it comes to the point of should Christians blank. Okay. Well, let me, let me give you some examples because I got I and, have some examples. And I will say every, every situation is different. So, yeah, true, true. 
Okay, so let me read you this quote that I got from an article. It says, with 800 million active users, Instagram has become the platform of choice for influencer marketing. This statistic blew my mind. 72% of users said they have made fashion, beauty, or style-related purchases after seeing something on the app, proving its power in the digital marketing landscape. So influencer marketing is built on the idea that regular people, reg, quote, regular people, pushing a product appears more genuine. But I just, I don't think that's true. So let me give you an example. Jonathan's gonna disagree with me probably on this one, but we'll see. So I've got a friend who was invited to a bachelorette party for one of her friends. Well, this friend is an Instagram influencer. I think her following is maybe 10 to 15,000. And so the Instagram influencer is getting married. So she invites all of her friends to Palm Springs and they have a bachelorette party. Well, all of her bridesmaids were given a detailed spreadsheet of schedules that included photo shoots. And they were also giving, given a palette of colors of clothes they were supposed to bring to wear the entire time for the photo shoots. And this was all wrapped up in this girl's, in this girl's brand. And my friend was saying that this, this bride, her friend, said that it's just crazy. Like whenever they're together, she's on her phone all the time. She's super unhappy. Her and her fiance are constantly bickering. Like they're not happy. That's yeah, going to work out. And I, yeah, I know. Um, but she just said like this girl's life is really sad. She's really awkward in real life with people. She doesn't know how to like be real and have interactions and have conversations. So that to me is like the epitome of the depths of despair that Instagram influencing and Instagram influencers can. This be. goes back to what we talked about last week with the mental health issues and and how that yeah. Yeah, yeah. social media and Instagram lead into that. And I'm not saying your friends friend or whatever has mental health issues. Who I don't think is a Christian. Let me yeah, clarify but, that. But, uh, you know, if that's what you're living for, then I, I think that's that's a wrong thing. Now, if you're just using the platform as, you know, a side gig and just a way to, to make some cash or, and, and maybe it is a fun thing that you can do and kind of find that balance of not being the jerk about everything. Like, cause like that's not a good friend. Okay. That has nothing to do with her being an influencer. That that's just a bad friend. So, and I, I wouldn't want to be friends with that person. Um, no. so, uh, eh, but okay. Let me give you, let me give you another okay. example All right. that this is where maybe we will disagree. Well, um, okay. okay. This is a friend in real life. And I've actually talked with her about this issue, so I'm not like sharing it with, you know, without going to the person. Um, she recently, within the past five months, started an Instagram account for the sole purpose of growing a following so that she could make money off of that following. She really legitimately views it as this is just a business, it's just a side business. So her whole platform is based off of something that is not at all real. And she really, she said, she's like, I love to perform when I was in high school. I did musicals. She's like, it's a performance. Yeah, for I, don't see, so, I don't see the problem. I don't see the difference in that and being an actor. It's just a different stage. See, okay. But this is where we're getting, we're probably going to disagree when it comes to as a Christian, I think if you're doing any kind of business, it has to serve the people that who are your customers. So let's say her followers are her customers. So she is, she's not really providing anything of real value. Her pictures are pictures of herself wearing outfits that brands send to her for free. And then if people buy it, she gets like a cut. By the way, I'm, I think I'm how open to that. Brands who may be listening. <laughs> if anyone wants to get <laughs> Jonathan Howe. Okay. Um, but her, so she posts pictures of herself or her kids wearing clothes or doing things that brands have sent her. 
And there's really not a whole lot of value for her followers. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think through what is the value for someone following her account. You follow her they to find a beautiful girl. fashion choices. I mean, it's what's the difference in following mm. her and following, you know, just a brand in general? But is she really serving her audience? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm that if you're really... a Christian, you're going to go about even a side hustle. You're going to go about it differently. And you're going to say, how can I serve my people? even if it's only 5,000 people. And so anyway, all I have to say, here's the other, let me, let me add in another layer though. She's a Christian, but she does letterboard stuff and she'll say this is things. A different, is this a different person? This still same person. Okay. Not from the first example. Same person from my second example. Got it. Um, she'll have a letterboard and she'll say something like, some days all you need is a glass of wine and Jesus or your Bible and a glass of wine and Jesus. And that I really have a problem with because I feel like you're making Jesus part of your brand. Okay. And I don't like that because Jesus Jesus isn't part of your brand. He doesn't come alongside you and make your brand more appealing. And so with, if I know her in real life, I know that she's actually really, really controlled and organized and a perfectionist. But her online performance that she's doing is super like, I'm just a hot mess and momming is hard and <laughs> all you need is... Blah, 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 blah. It just seems fake to me. And I just, I, I'm not okay with it. So, so my strong answer on should Christians become influ- influencers, Instagram influencers, I would say it's a no. Well, I, I think you could say it's a yes if they don't do it like that. So, so you'd be okay with my last example? No, I didn't say with that. With my friend. I just said that uh, there were some tweaks that I would want to make in there. Okay, what tweaks did you make? Well, I mean, the, 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 what, I mean basically what you talked about. Is is the putting on the the show? It, it, if you're, I think it'd be fine if she was being true to who she was and doing it. It's the 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 change that you're talking about is the issue that I that I think is is the main problem. Okay, Chris. Okay, Here, here's a question. Like, let me because I don't know where I stand on this either. Like, I I like all of the examples you gave. I think are no nos. Like, I think all of those examples are like if those were the only ways to be a Christian Instagram influencer, I would say, yeah, none of those are good. You should not be a Christian Instagram influencer. But let me present like a variation of one of those that I wonder if you would think is acceptable. So let's take the person, the second friend who like gets um, like clothes for free, you know, like those sorts of things like where, you know, because she's like pretty and she posts pictures of herself and uh, a brand is like, we'd love to have her like wear our clothes and like, you know, kind of be a, a, a virtual mannequin for our clothing so that people, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah you're uh, right. Social media mannequin. That's a great description. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's someone who's real and is literally like for a brand, it's just like a mannequin. So um, if she's going to do that and if she, you, so you presented her as like only doing that and like all, she's not really providing any value. I think how made a semi good case of like providing tips on fashion like that. If someone cares about that, that could be a valuable thing to someone, whether or not you think that's petty or shallow. I mean, that's another conversation entirely. True, but like true. T- tips on fashion is, is valuable to a lot of people, certainly not myself, but valuable to a lot of people. So, but, so even, but let's say it goes a step further. Let's say she just takes like really well shot pictures of herself in clothing that she makes money on. But also it offers a sort of inspiring message that would provide like spiritual value to someone. Would that be like, you know, like I was reading in scripture this morning about, you know, let's say it's a picture of her uh, 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 
traipsing through an open field looking all free right like in in some sort of stock clothing, photo she's got her 101 there. designer you know whatever but she's like i was reading in scripture this morning and maybe she actually well, let's assume the best here for a second she was reading in scripture about how um about how you know uh, christ has made us free and you know da, 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 and she and she really harps on this message of freedom and check out and these free clothes i got um <laughs> no 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 but she she harps on and she and she's just a picture of her in clothing and she clearly looks like she's free like she's she's she feels open and free. She's she's like I said, traipsing through an open field or whatever. So her picture um, lines up with whatever lesson she got out of scripture. But that so picture yeah. is herself, is what you're saying. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like if she takes a picture of herself, like I don't know, sitting on her front porch, that's also herself. Yeah. That's no different than the share squares so, that we would share from so, life. So I guess something. my here's my question: Is that appropriate? Or is that just using Jesus for her platform? Ooh. Because she's mm. providing inspiration, or is, does it does it go down deeper to where we can't really know, right? Like we can't really know if she did read that passage about being free in Christ in her Bible this morning, and it just happened to line up with a picture she had, or if she found a passage of scripture and was injecting Jesus to make her brand more spiritual. We don't really we well, we can't. I don't, I don't know, know if, if you can take a know. snapshot of one picture. And and make a case right. for that. It would have to be a, a body of work kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good word. I, I somebody feel can like do if, it, I feel it's like, just there like is I a, can go and do a good deed. Does that I mean, does somebody seeing me to make do a good deed, does that make them think I'm a Christian? Or is it the body of work? Is it all of who I am? That there, right. that's a difference. Because I think I think there is a place for an Instagram influencer, let's even say like a fashion sort of Instagram influencer like your friend, to do it in a way that is God honoring. I don't think any of the ways you described are it, but I think there's a way to do it where, you know, like, let's say this person has a family and they're like talking about the perils of being a mom or the, the benefits of being a mom or, um, you know, it's genuine and authentic. Yeah. And that, that's where the, that's where it becomes difficult because Mm -hmm. it's hard for us to sit here and yeah. Cause sometimes if they're a close friend, you'll know that they're faking it and you could call them out on that. And I think that, not to get too spiritual here, but it is a Christian social media podcast. I think it becomes inherent on you as a brother or sister in Christ to call them out on that. But um, let's assume they're genuine. I think if they are genuine, then it can be good, like to provide inspiration and then also make some money on the side. Like I don't, I think as long as they're not being deceptive, I think that's where you obviously start to cross a line where like Christians shouldn't be deceptive and and making it look like, they're living on the beach when they're really just a suburban mom who took 800 pictures on the beach to post all throughout the year or whatever. Um, but if there be, if there's a sort of honesty and genuineness to it, then I think, I think there's room for it. I, it's not my kind of thing. And I do think it's kind of weird, but, um, but I don't think it's necessarily bad though. I think there are more ways to do it wrong than there are to do it right. That's a good way. Okay, yeah, you got to. Like, I think you. I think you have to be super intentional about it. Yes, because the default would be to do any of the things Julie described. Yes, I I agree, and that that's the trap that I, I think, regardless of what industry you're in, that's the trap. It's it's are you doing it for the right or wrong motives? And it's a lot easier a lot of times to slide into those wrong motives and, and the the more selfish desires than it is for the. The, the godly pursuit. Yeah. Yep. All right. Fair enough. I'm still probably like, okay, this is where I always, I always run it by this filter of less thing. 
is when I think about my children who are 11, 9, and 7. Just last week, they asked me, hey, mom, can, can we start a YouTube channel? And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a, that's a bigger discussion for another no. day. But Next I run question. it through. Yeah. <laughs> um, but would I want any of them pursuing Instagram influencing? No. I would not want sure. them to pursue that. So when I say that, that's that's why I still lean back to, I mean, even Chris, what you described, like I can agree with that and say like, yeah, that makes sense. But I still, ooh, it just it just feels icky to me. Well, there, there are- It's a gray like I said, area, I think. Yeah, I think there are way more pitfalls. There are way more wrong ways to do it than right ways to do it. So I don't blame you. Yeah. Like I, if I had kids and stuff, like I would not be encouraging- pursuing Instagram influencer stuff or even like famous YouTuber life. First of all, right. because it's like pursuing becoming an athlete. Like, yeah, it's a nice right. pursuit, but you probably should have a backup yeah. plan. <laughs> but then also like, even if you do it successfully, like there are just so many perils that come with it and mm-hmm. and that it just may not be worth yeah, it. Yeah. Last thing for me on this, it, it kind of goes to that. And it, it circle back to your first example. It, it It's hard for you to do that and do it well and do it like to the level of where it is a quote unquote side, not just a side game, but kind of your thing without it affecting family, personal right. life and those kind of things, because it's just everything right. that you do. Then you can't just go to a ball game. You've got to go to the ball game exactly. and take the pictures and do this and set up these things. And you know, every, the, when everything is content, yeah. it, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts people around you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's bad enough that as much as most of us are on our phone on regular social media, let alone trying to do it to monetize it to the, all that. I mean, that's just, that's just exhausting. It right. is. So. I think people need to count the cost. Right. And I think that's why I say I think there are more ways to do it wrong than to do it right. And like you just because then you're man, then your kids become prop. Like if it's a family thing, then your kids become props. Oh, my word. Like that. 100%. There are just so many yeah. horror stories. Instagram about hubs them um, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Do you know? Do you, do you have experience with that? No. Or, or Thankfully. No. no. <laughs> All right, so I think we're 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 running out of time. I think we should move on to our recommended follows of the week. We have a couple more topics that I think are definitely worth talking about, but they'll have to wait. Uh, recommended follows of the week. Who has people recommended follow? I'll share mine last. If you guys want to go first, how? Who, right. who do you want to recommend people follow? Preachers and sneakers on Instagram. So it kind of ties into what we're talking about the the influencers, the the showiness of Instagram. Preachers and sneakers. What the guy does is takes pictures of preachers. And looks at their shoes and sometimes other attire, but he kind of started it with shoes and just shows how much these things cost. And some of them are absurd. And there's a lot of debate about whether this is good or bad or things like that. But I've seen some of the stuff that he's posted. He's even got a podcast uh, that he's, he's done a few episodes of talking about this and just that, that world of showiness and materialism versus being, you know, a pastor and preacher. And, and it, it's been funny. Some of the, the spoofs have been even funnier because people have sent him stuff. He's like, all right, here's my preacher in sneakers. And it's like Skechers or something like that. Not the, <laughs> not the Jordan ones, you know, things like that. So, uh, it, it's, it's been fun to, to watch that. I, I enjoy the content there and, and I, not because he's dunking on people or anything like that, but just, it's fascinating to see that these choices are, a lot of these fashion choices that are made by some of the more high profile type preachers and things like that, they're definitely doing it for the attention and for the, the wow factor. And, and that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a good kind of reality check for some of us whenever we start talking about 
you know, fashion and, and different things like that. So I think it fits in nicely with the, the topics today. I remember when you sent that account to me, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and I, one, laughed really hard, but also, two, thought, oh, my word. Like, it just blew yeah. my mind. Guys rolling up so. in, like, $2,000 shoes, and it just, it's crazy. You don't have $200 shoes I, on I right now? I don't have. Let's see, what do I have on? I've got on Skechers. So, yeah, that's how I roll. Okay. Uh, well, mine might not be as interesting to people outside of Kansas City, but I thought I'd share it because this guy does a really, really good job of using social media for a business and for a brand in a way that is so encouraging and benefits the audience. So it's at EmpoweredKC on Instagram. Um, it's one of the most boring industries on the planet. And if I was ever asked, hey, will you run our Instagram by an industry like this, I would have been like, no, this is boring. So it's an electri- electrician company. Super boring, right? Like how could you do social media well for an electrician company? Well, this is a guy that started the business I think five years ago and it's called Empowered Electric. And he really has created this environment and this culture of electricians where it's not just a job. These men are coming in and they're they're growing as leaders and they're learning new skills and they're working hard. And he has made his entire platform all about those people. It's not about himself. It's not about even electrical work. It's, it's just a really cool account. So um, I know his long range plan is to hire juvenile delinquents. I actually think he's already hired one. And so he used to speak. He, he's a public speaker too. He'll go into this juvie hall and he'll speak to these kids. And once they're out, he wants to train them with a real world skill so they can, you know, benefit society. So at Empowered KC on Instagram, highly recommend it. Cool. Awesome. Uh, mine, in honor of Amazon Prime Day coming up shortly after this oh, podcast, right. will be published. Amazon Prime Day, I think, is, what is it, July 15th and 16th, yeah. Monday, but, Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Amazon Prime Day. Hold up. Hold up. I got a question. Okay. What? I've never done Amazon Prime Day in July. Is it as good, yeah. as, is it as, good as the Christmas one? No. No, no, it's usually in the past it hasn't been, but it's, I mean, what does it take you like 20 minutes or whatever, maybe take five minutes, an hour throughout the day. Cause they, they rotate deals throughout the day. Like I usually just pop in and see, is there anything on sale that maybe I would even typically buy yeah. that, have you bought that I can get for cheaper? I or, have, I, I've I bought don't know if I have uh, before a computer and a Kindle and a couple things like that. We bought Kindles for the, the kiddos Christmas uh, one year. Cause they were like. Yeah, it's great for like early Christmas yeah. shopping. Like if you already maybe early know what you're going to be kid, for kids for Christmas. That okay. Yeah. Um, I think in the past they've had like good deals on like Audible, which I'm an Audible user, so like it's kind of good looking. At. But my 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 followed is only it's tangentially related to Prime. Oh, at, sorry. At Kinja Deals on Twitter at K I N J A Deals. On Twitter, man, this has to be one of my longest running Twitter followers. Uh, Twitter follows. I think I've probably followed them since college. Um, you know, 2010, 2011. Uh, I've probably been following them since then. And it's, they're associated with like, the, uh, I think like Gizmodo and, and, and Deadspin and what, whatever. I forget what that company is called, but that has all of those Gawker, Gawker, yeah. well, formerly Gawker Media. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they're, they're a part of that network, but it's just, it's a website and Twitter account. 100% committed to like get showing you the best deals on the internet on a given day. So, um, at Kinja deals on Twitter is, uh, you know, they're tweeting often they're Amazon. I want to say probably 70% of the stuff they're tweeting out is like the best deals on Amazon on a given day. 
But then they also have stuff like I'm looking at their tweets right now from like Nordstrom mm-hmm. Rack or like uh, when like L.L. Bean had a f- huge Fourth of July sale going on. They like make you aware of that. Um, so it's a great it's a great uh, follow on Twitter to make the most of your money. I I see like, oh, hey, you know, this I don't know, this like uh, protein bar that I like to buy is on sale for like 20% off. Maybe I'll just stock up now rather than buying it when I normally would or things like that. So I'm not encouraging like consumerism by any means, like not encouraging you to buy everything that's on sale all the time because there are always things on sale. But, you know, I've seen like SD cards on like deep sales before that they'll let you know about or like today they have Bluetooth speakers um, so things like that. It's really helpful. It's helped me find gifts before at Kinja deals on Twitter. That's my recommended, recommended follow for the week. And they'll, because the reason is too, they'll, they'll be keeping me up to date on Twitter of all of the different Amazon prime stuff going on. So great follow for you, especially going into this next week and eventually the Christmas season. Where do you think they got their name from? You, what Kinja? I don't know. I don't know. Kinja. Kinja. Maybe it has okay. to do with Ninja. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, hmm. No idea. I was trying to find like more. It info may have started that, with I like Kindle it. deals or something like that. That's maybe. what I'm wondering. So Kinja, yeah, Kindle, Kindle Ninja. Yeah, put them maybe together. it was Kindle Ninja. It was like yeah. ebooks. It was for ebooks, and then they expanded beyond ebooks. That's possible. I would, stuff now, I would but that not sounds be surprised. Good. No, but but their ties to Amazon and stuff, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Social Cues Podcast. We're all on Twitter. I'm not going to list all of our names. You can find us. Uh, we'll be back sometime soon with episode three. Hopefully it'll be next week, but who knows? We'll just have to see who's available to host and record when. But uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.